I love you. Three, very simple, sometimes complex, sometimes complicated, sometimes spectacular words. I love you. I didn't even think about it this morning. I was planning to start by saying that, and I wasn't expecting a response. I don't know why I wasn't. So let me start over and say it with meaning. I love you. You know, not too long ago, I could look every one of you in the eyes and tell you, I love you. And I wish I could do that today. And maybe we'll have a chance a little bit later uh, after services. But I want you to know that I do. I love every one of you. But when was the last time you said that? Hopefully just a few seconds ago. You said that and you really meant it. You know, oftentimes we, we say those words and we forget the meaning behind them. We forget that they are more than just words. You know, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned a statement that I'd come across and, and the statement was, love is just a word until someone comes along and gives it meaning. Now, isn't that true? That love's just a word until someone comes along and gives it meaning. We know how cheap words can sometimes be. Sometimes words can be misused. Sometimes words can be abused. The grandfather was, was spending some time with his grandson, and, and the grandson saw this piece of chocolate cake, and he says, that cake is awesome. You ever do that? That cake is awesome. We sort of abuse words like that, don't we? The grandfather looked back at his grandson. And he said, so if you saw the Grand Canyon, how would you describe it? See, we waste our adjectives. We waste so many of our words on, on trivial, meaningless things. Now, I wonder if sometimes we do the same thing with the word love especially as we would direct that toward our admission to our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We waste the word love on other things. I love chocolate cake. I love baseball. I love football. I love my car. I love my school. I love summer vacation. I love, I love, I love, I love. We just sort of waste our words, don't we? Do we do that with God? Waste our words in saying or in admitting to Him that we love Him. Love is just a word until someone comes along and gives it meaning. The last few weeks, we've turned our attention to John chapter 21. Uh, and this will be the last in this series that we'll use John 21 to, as a springboard for our lesson. But John, or Jesus rather, Jesus had told his disciples to go into Galilee and go up on a mountain and there wait for him. And while they were waiting, now you can be passive in waiting or you can be active in waiting. And I believe that's all that was here in this case. I believe they were being active in waiting. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. A few others went along with them. 
They went out on a boat, and all night long they fished, and all night long they didn't catch a thing. In the morning, there, someone was standing there on the shoreline. Now, we know who this is. They didn't know who it was, but he tells them, cast your nets on the other side of the boat, and they did. And they hauled in 153 fish, a net full. And they knew it was Jesus. Peter jumps into the water, swims to the shoreline. The others, he leaves them behind to drag the nets. But when they all come up there, there's Jesus, and he already has a charcoal fire. Probably a, a thought is going through the mind of Peter. You know, the last time I sat around a charcoal fire, I denied Jesus. But Jesus already has the fish prepared for them. He was the Son of God. See, Jesus, he didn't have to go fishing to have fish. He had fed 5,000 men with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. But now he has breakfast prepared for his apostles. And so they sit down together, and after they eat, Jesus turns to Peter. And this is one of the most special dialogues that, that we find in all of Scripture. And there, there are many special conversations in Scripture, but I believe this is one of the greatest. Beginning in verse 15 of John chapter 21, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said this the third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, we could go many different places in Scripture to find the meaning of what it means to love Jesus, to really, really love Jesus. But I think this is a good place for us to go. There are a few lessons that we can learn here from this text, from this conversation between Jesus and Peter. To begin with, I want you to recognize in the original text, there are some very special words used here. We're not going to get into the Hebrew or the Greek. We're not going to get into any of that, but just the meanings of some of these words that look the same to us in English. They weren't the same when they were originally said. One word that's translated love in this passage means this sort of super love. I love you supremely. No strings attached. This isn't about fire insurance, so to speak, but it's, I love you unconditionally. This is a type of love that Christians are able to give to others because God has poured out His love into our hearts. This is a very special kind of love. And so we're just going to call it this super love. And then there's another word that's translated love in this text. And it's a word that's more closely related to uh, like, like. I really like you. 
Maybe some of you remember as kids in elementary school, you had crushes. And someone would come running up to you. they say, hey, do you like so-and-so? And you'd say, well, yeah, I do. Well, do you like like them? Well, we know what that means. It's more than just a casual relationship, but it's, it's an interest, a deeper interest in them. It's an affection. It's a, it's a friendship. It's a partnership. And this is the kind of love that anybody can give with or without God's help. And these are the two words as they appear to us in this text. Now, some say that these are two words that are just sort of used interchangeably, and that may be a possibility. But when we look into the text, when we, when we dig in and we see what the text really has to say, we see there is a particular form. There is a particular consistency that we find in the text. And I believe these words are intended. But they weren't just used interchangeably. See, this is the way we see it. When we look into verses 15 and 16, when, when we're trying to figure out where is the meaning, Jesus says to Peter two times, Do you super love me? Do you super love me more than these? Now, in application, these could be anything we want to make them to be. We can say they're the fish. We could say they're the boats. We could say it's the job. We could say it's a house. It's whatever. But from my understanding, to understand this in its original intent, the meaning is, do you love me more than all of these other disciples love me? So the backdrop of this goes back to when Jesus had told his disciples they would all fall away on his account. And Peter says, well, even if all of these fall away, I will not. And so Jesus now looks at Peter and he says, do you super love me? And this is the way Peter responds. He says, I like like you. I like like you. Now I want to say this about Peter. There are a lot of ways where, where Peter made mistakes. There are a lot of ways where, where Peter fell short. There are a lot of ways where Peter stuck his foot in his mouth. But this isn't one of those times. And I, I think that it's possible there are times we look at Peter and if we understand the wording of this conversation, conversation between him and Jesus, we're critical of him. But I'm going to say this about Peter. Peter was honest with Jesus. Because there's no way, if, if Peter's being honest with himself, there's no way that he can look the risen Savior in the eye and say, Lord, you know that I super love you more than these other disciples. I think Peter's just being honest with Jesus. I like you like you. And so Jesus brings it down a notch. He brings the conversation down to Peter's level. In verse 17, he says, do you like me like me? It's at this point, this third time that Jesus asks Peter this question, and Peter becomes grieved with it. He's, he's grieved within himself. And I don't believe he's grieved because it's the third time that Jesus is asking the question, but Jesus has now brought it down to his level. Do you have affection for me? Are you my friend? Are you in partnership with me? Do you like, like me? 
And Peter replies to him, as grieved as he is with this, he says, yes, Lord. You know everything. You know the inner parts of my being. You know deep down inside that I like, like you. And we notice something here. Jesus didn't rebuke Peter. Jesus didn't scold him. But Jesus considered the love, the the honest love that Peter had, and he was willing to work with it. Maybe we question ourselves sometimes. Do I love Jesus? Do I love Jesus the way that I should? Now, I know that in order for me to love, and I'm talking about me, James Malone, in order for me to love Jesus as God would have me to love him, I need God's help to do it. And so long as I have all of this, so long as I'm James, and I I do James things, and I act like James, and I think like James, and I have so much of James in me, and I'm holding it within, I don't permit him room to flood my soul with the love that he wants me to give back to him in return. And I know that. And you know that. And looking at this passage, I don't think any of us should beat ourselves up over it. We want to do better. We want to open ourselves up. And so when Jesus looks at me or when Jesus looks at you and he says, okay, you have a hard time with super loving me. Can you say at least that you like, like me? He gives me the opportunity and he gives you the opportunity. He works with me with who I am, in honesty. No, church, I would rather be an honest mess with Jesus than to be a dishonest saint with him. And I hope and I pray that we can just be messy together and be honest about it. Let the Lord use us with the love that we do have for him. Rather than beating each other up, rather than beating ourselves up, over the lack of super love that we've been giving him or haven't been giving him. So as we think about the meaning, there must be something more than the admission. So looking at the text, this is what Jesus tells Peter. Okay, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you like, like me? Yes, Lord, you know that I like you. You know that I like you. You know everything. You know that I like you. Jesus says, so do this. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. So now what's Jesus telling Peter? Okay, Peter, just do. Just just do. Is that what he's saying? Now, if this was some odd list, if this was an exhaustive list of things to do, we might could say that that's what Jesus was doing. But there's something very special with what Jesus is telling Peter here. Look at the similarity. Look at what's consistent here. Look at the theme. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Maybe it makes us 
take our minds back to John chapter 10 as Jesus talks about himself being the good shepherd, being the chief shepherd. And he's the one who's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He has some sheep that are not of his fold, and he wants to become their shepherd too. And so he tells Peter, Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. Maybe he's talking about the little ones. Maybe he's talking about those sheep who aren't of his fold, the ones who needed nurturing, the ones who needed help. And he tells them, tend to my sheep. He says, you act like a shepherd, Peter, not as a hired hand. You need to be a shepherd. And we know that Peter became an elder in the Lord's church. He wasn't just an apostle, but he also would become an elder. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed those who are grown up. Feed those who have matured. You continue to feed them. And maybe our minds go to Psalm 23. When we think about shepherds in Scripture, surely our minds go to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we think about the words of that psalm. We read those words. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This theme that Jesus shares with with Peter. He says, if you love me, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to work with what you have. And this is what I want you to do. But whenever we think about what he's telling him to do, we realize there must be something greater here. There's something more than just an expression of love. It's not just doing it. It's not just do it. I'm afraid sometimes when we think about loving Jesus... We boil it all down to that. Well, just do it. Just do it. But notice within this passage the emphasis. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed or tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. If there's a meaning to the love that Jesus would like us to have, the love that Jesus can work with, it must be something that is identifiable in imitation. When you you come down to verses 18 and 19 of John chapter 21, Jesus is still talking to Peter. Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die. And John gives this, little parenthetical note about how this is the way that Peter would glorify Christ. And after saying this, Jesus says to Peter, and this this sort of wraps it all up, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Follow me. The focus is Jesus what our lives revolve around, what we love, how we love, goes back to Jesus. And if ever there's anyone for us to imitate, it's Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we sing the song, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Can you think of 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord? Can you think of one this morning? Maybe you'd say, I bless the Lord because 
of my health. I bless the Lord because of my children. I bless the Lord because of what I have up to this point. I bless the Lord because we're able to assemble together in one place for worship. I bless the Lord for this and this and this and this. Well, how about this one? I bless the Lord because he died for me. He forgave me of my sins. And he helps me live for him. Church, that's the heart of Christianity. When we remember that, when we focus on that, that Jesus came and he died for me, it changes our perspective. Jesus didn't come to start a corporation. Jesus didn't come to solve our problems primarily. Jesus came to save us and to heal us. And sometimes we forget that. Maybe the older we get, the easier it is for us to forget that childlike faith. You look at the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. What was wrong with them? You see this list of all the good that they had done, all the good that they were doing, but what was wrong? Jesus said, you have left your first love. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh, well, you, well, well what was wrong with them was that there were some bad teachings that had gotten in there. And, and they became so resilient in their teaching or to their teaching that they forgot the love of it. Well, that's not it. That's not it. They forgot their first love. What was their first love? Jesus died for them that they might live for him. Church, that's our first love. Jesus died for me and he died for you that we might live for him. Hebrews 3 verse 14 tells us that we share in Jesus. If we hold the beginning, the, the original confidence firm until the end. And sometimes, church, we get so caught up in the doing. I'm going to practice right. I'm going to be the right father. I'm going to be the right mother. I'm going to be the right worshiper. I'm going to be the right deacon. I'm going to be the right elder. I'm going to be the right minister. And we do that, and I realize that we, we need to grow beyond the elementary principles but we can't leave them behind and forget them. This is the focal point of Christianity, church, and every single one of us. We need to return to this, that Jesus appeared on our behalf, that he gave his life to give us life, to take away sins, to de defeat the devil, and he did all of this for us. For us. And when we consider what that love is, we realize that it's a love that's not just in talk, but in deed and in truth. Don't. Even in your maturity, even in your growth, even in all the things that you do, don't forget 
what is at the heart of everything that we are. We, we look at a lot of different passages to describe what this is and, and what translates out of that. But I can't think of a better description than Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. And, and if you just sort of cut it down a little bit, Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is a mind that's yours if you're in Christ Jesus. Have this mind in yourself like Jesus who emptied himself. He emptied himself. And so what does it mean to really love Jesus? It means to follow him. Say it. Admit that you love Jesus. Say it every day and mean it every time you say it. Do it. Express it. Let let the love that you have be demonstrated in the life that you live and do it as Jesus. To love Him and to love others as He so loved us. And all of that is an emptying of yourself. See, the less that we empty ourselves, the more love becomes just a word. But the more we empty ourselves, we make room for God to do His work within us. We make room for the world to see transparently through our lives, to see Christ within us. That's what happens when we empty ourselves. God will never be glorified in our lives until we empty ourselves. So do you really love Jesus? Now we could ask, do you super love Jesus? But I'm going to go with Jesus on this one. And say it's possible for you to like, like him. For him to to work with you in your honesty. To work with you and give you guidance. So that you will grow to love him while you're loving others the same way that he loved us. That we would learn to be a people who empty ourselves. So here's the question we come to. Have you emptied yourself into the Lord? If not, and your desire is to do that, and you desire to do it in a public way, we invite you to come now as we stand and sing together.